This is Coffee Number Five. I'm your host, Lara Schmoisman. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited to be here live on Facebook today, and also welcome back to Coffee Number Five. Today, I'm so excited because I'm meeting uh, my personal or love that is journalism, and it's it's fantastic to get to talk to people that you have some kind of background, but you know what? Sometimes you talk to people that you have no clue what you're talking about. And that's why I invited today uh, the incredible Shannon Ferry. Did I say it right? Because I'm, oh, I always, I'm so used to people saying my name wrong, that Lara Schmoisman is like a tongue twister for people. So I, I want to always make sure that I say it right. Oh, thank you. You got it. You're perfect. Awesome. So I'm so excited you're here. And how did you get into news? I have to ask that because that's a tough market. Yeah, it is. a It's a tough market. And I always enjoyed speaking and talking to people, meeting new people, hearing what they're about and writing. So news always seemed like there's New York City, the sirens of New York City in the background. But, um, you know, news always seemed like something that I was interested in. I just didn't know how possible it was, the path to get there, because I don't come from a family that's in television or news. My parents have a plumbing business, something totally unrelated to what I do. Well, I, I'm sure you know a lot, a lot about plumbing. <laughs> I know how to stop, uh, you know, a flood from happening in your bathroom. That's something that I grew up with learning how to do. But yeah, no, news was not something really that I knew what kind of path to take. But there actually is a path that you can go to school for, study broadcast journalism. And that's what I did at Hofstra University and just made connections that way through school, through internships, and eventually landed at New York One, where I'm at now. That's incredible. And I mean, so education, like we always say, it is worth it to go to school and to learn a few skills here and there. Yeah, I mean, it was great, especially for the connections. I mean, some people debate with journalism, what's better, going to school or just trying to get right into the business. I think there's no wrong way to do it. For me, I really, I needed that education in order to make those contacts, get my chance, my shot, meet someone who was willing to give me my shot. And a lot of cool experiences through that um, to, you know, do interviews, get your feet wet. So for me, it was, but you know what, some things, some different things work for people. Some people do it without education too. Well, I mean, it's a, a tough skill to talk yourself in front of a camera. It's not easy. It, it, um, it gets a little bit easier over time, but sometimes, you know, you never want to watch yourself or hear your own voice. It's difficult to watch the clips back sometimes. Um, so yeah, it, it can be, it's a bit of an adrenaline rush, but I like it. Um, I think sometimes the best way to do it is obviously be prepared and have your notes, but just talk from the heart and, and see what comes out. Sometimes I think the more challenging thing is rehearsing in your head and trying to say things so perfectly because we're not perfect. People aren't perfect and journalists aren't perfect either. You know, it's what we were talking before about um, that you have been a journalist is you have to go through so many different uh, topics, even in one single day, and you're human, and you're not an expert of everything. So the only thing you can do is to try to prepare yourself and to ask the right questions. So how do you prepare the right questions? Well, I think you brought up that is the perfect point is that we 
aren't experts on every topic in the world. So we do have to ask those questions. When I'm asking questions, I just try to think of what would my viewer want to know? You know, if I'm newly learning about this topic, chances are my questions are going to be very similar to the questions of the viewers. The, the viewers probably aren't an expert on every single topic that you cover. So you want to ask general questions, the, the questions that are begging to be asked. And of course, you can get into more details along the way. Um, but I think asking good questions is one of them. And then also, as we were chatting about before, the best way to be prepared for breaking news is to keep up with the news because maybe you won't know anything about you know this shooting that just happened in one part of the city but you've covered shootings in the past and you know how many shootings the city has been dealing with recently the latest nypd protocols here in new york so there are certain ways that you can put yourself in a good position to be as prepared as you possibly can be when something happens at a moment's notice and you need to be live on that topic a couple of minutes after you first learned about it. Okay, I need to ask you this question because I want to know how's your day, uh, your day in your life. Like you, you have shifts. You need to be ready every day at five to cover whatever it happens. How does it work? Yeah, so it, it's um, it's pretty organized. I have to say, since the beginning of the pandemic, I've been on the nighttime breaking news shift primarily. And the way the day starts there, you call in, we have a meeting at three o'clock, we discuss all the stories of the day. If I have a pitch or something that I think is really newsworthy, I'll say it, my colleagues will weigh in. And with coronavirus, I mean, there's always been something topical to cover that day. Rarely is it difficult now to find a newsworthy topic to cover. And from there, once you decide that story, I mean, sometimes it takes a little bit longer than others, but if we have a story coming out of that meeting, that's when I start making calls, trying to set up interviews for that topic. And people are often surprised, you know, say I get my story at four o'clock, I'm trying to meet up with them by five o'clock so I can get it on the air by six o'clock and then do another story for 10 o'clock. It's all very fast paced. Um, so as soon as that assignment comes in, you are working the phones, I'm posting in Facebook groups a lot, trying to find someone that matches the story that I'm doing or could speak to the story that I'm doing. And then we're doing live reports in between. Um, if there's a really big breaking news story that happens, we will switch to that. There's always the chance that you could put in all of these hours on one story and then you get moved to something else. So you never know what the day is going to bring, but on a, on a normal day, you know your story, you're finding those characters because the best stories are coming from the people that it impacts. You know, there, like I said, there are a million coronavirus stories, but why should people care? Well, because this, you know, change in policy affects this New Yorker. That's what New York One, my station, is really about, finding that human perspective behind the story. Um, so yeah, it's all in a day's work. So if, if I'm ever calling anyone who's watching for a story around four, chances are I'm trying to meet up with them in the next hour to go on camera do an interview. It's very fast paced. And what about if someone has a story that they want to pitch you? How people will reach out to you? Yeah, anywhere. I mean, I have my email. I think it's really important for reporters to be accessible. List their email address, list the best way to contact them on social media, leave your direct messages open so that you can reply to people. Because a lot of the best stories do come from pitches. And if there is something that I'm pitched that I want to pursue, I can talk to my managers about it and try to find a time where I'm not on a breaking news shift, say, 
to go out and do that story. So I think if, if anyone has a hunch or something that they think, you know, this should really be out there, go ahead and pitch it to me, pitch it to anyone who's in the news business, because that's how we find some of our, our, our best and greatest stories. It's helping the very people who we serve, who, who watch us. Yeah, absolutely. And something I have to ask also, because I know we're humans, like we say before, and it's hard. We have opinions. We all have opinions. How you can hold back and, and, and not say it many times what you are you really want to say? Or where, do you, where is the line for you? I think for me, it's always just remembering the fact that there, there are places for opinion journalists. Um, opinion journalists serve a purpose. They are educated in their field and they are allowed to give their opinion. For someone like me, a general res assignment reporter, It is not my place to say what I think because my goal is to put the story out there, make it completely down the middle so that the viewer can decide what they think. Um, so I, I think just listening to people is a big part of it. If you have a really controversial story, I want to make sure I have both sides of that, that argument and equal time for that argument and strictly stick to the facts. And, and sometimes, Lara, it's interesting you point that out because there are certain words that can imply a certain kind of bias. You have to be very careful, even if it's a small word, I, it could really change the way someone interprets what you say. So it's definitely, I've learned a lot and I just do my best to listen to both sides. Which one, let's give some examples. What are those trigger words? You know, that is a great question. Let me think about that for Because the fact saying like, you, I believe, or I think you're already implying for example. Yeah. And I think that's why attribution, I guess, is so important. Um, I can't think of a word that implies, but you just gave an example, but, you know, attributing it to someone makes it, that's a way to step away from the bias, right? Because this, every person has an opinion to your point. So if you're saying Joe Schmo believes this, not Joe Schmo is experiencing this, even just saying that that person is experiencing this issue that kind of could imply that you're agreeing with that person right if it's something controversial so i think attribution is super important in that case i mean we're in a new generation and i can see uh last year during the pandemic in the during the last year that there is the rise of a lot of coaches that they coach this coach that and but can we call them experts it's something that we will go to a coach just to get give them like the expert point of view or what do you what do you look in someone when it's an expert so if i'm looking for an expert i'm looking for the body of work a lot of people can claim that they are a lifestyle expert that they are a dating expert that they are any sort of expert under the sun But where does that expertise come from? Have you worked at a company that specializes in lifestyle? Have you written about the topic? That's exactly my point. Like I see, again, all these coaches, how can you validate your work if you didn't have that experience? And then, yeah, and in this, it's such a good point because in this age of social media too, everybody has this ability to market themselves in whatever way they want to be known. So if someone wants to go online and say, Hey, I'm an expert at this, put me on TV. There's nothing really stopping them 
from doing that. So I think it's up to the journalists to do a dive on their experience and what actually makes them an expert. Exactly. Like even I can see there are so many social media coaches. How can you coach something that is constantly evolving? I have an issue with that personally, because how can you teach something that as we speak is changing? Yeah, I think some people now that they're working in roles, like I think back to 10 years ago, I couldn't even imagine, or it, may, it could have even been longer than that. The fact that a job right now is social media strategist, that's something that we never knew, you know, at least when I was growing up, that was a job that did not exist. So I think some people, they do have that background where they work in social media. And, and that's completely fine. And at, the, at my agency, we have social media strategies, which are super important, like social media managers. But the strategies is something, is someone who understands the platforms, constantly is looking at the algorithms and their change, and also is using the voice of the brand and manipulated in use, using the native language of the platform that they're going to be using and what is going to work for the target audience of that platform. But there's, I'm using social media as an example because it's what I know. But uh, the question is, I mean, but at the same time, how can you be a coach of someone on something in something that is evolving all the time? And that's why my strategies do all the time. And I do myself, we keep up to date the algorithms and we keep up to date the new trends. I wouldn't be feel comfortable coaching someone and say, oh, I'm coaching you about this. And then next month is going to be a different algorithm and a different trends. It's the same that for you, would you be able to coach someone for doing news this in today, this week's news for next week's news? No, you need to keep yourself informed. Yeah. Yeah. You have to keep yourself informed. I think there are fundamentals of my field and I'm sure it's the same for social media and the internet and, and marketing and trends that are kind of fundamentals of the business, but it's very true. You have to keep on top of a very evolving market, a really evolving industry and every day our industry is changing. So yeah, this, the same with technology. So tell us when you go in on the field, because you're not going by yourself. You have a team. Sometimes by myself, but usually with a team. Okay. So how is your team built? So in, on a typical day, you have someone who operates the live equipment, the truck. That's how we're transmitting signal to our station. That's when you see news trucks, you know, kind of around wherever you live. That's how we're getting our signal there. And then we also have the photographer and myself. Now, granted, there are times where I just go out and shoot everything myself, or I, you know, you can set up a tripod now and just put your hand out and, you know, use your microphone. So there are ways to do it by yourself, but the team typically consists of that. And um, the teamwork between all of us, I find to be really helpful because you have someone to bounce ideas off of. Sometimes there's a question that I don't think of that even my, you know, live truck operator thinks of and he'll weigh in at the end and ask that question. So we're all working together Sometimes we're split up, you know, if there is a big fire going on and I'm trying to go find the victims of that fire, but the fire chief is available to give an interview, we'll have one, one section of the crew go there while I'm doing something else. Um, so it's, it's very much, it seems like the buzzword here is 
fast changing and that's the same thing for the crew our situation is constantly evolving and we can be switched to different stories are you always working with the same crew or it switches up sometimes i mean typically it's usually the same few people at least on the shift that the breaking news shift at night but it it varies a lot what's next for you in your career as an anchor now and as a reporter do you, i mean do you want to be an anchor you want to keep being on the field I think um, I love both. I love anchoring and being in the field. I think, um, you know, I want to continue doing what I'm doing. I love breaking news, but the features and the human interest stories are really great too. Um, so I don't really know exactly, you know, how the future lays out, but I love anchoring, reporting, meeting people, telling people stories. So I think the long-term goal for me is to continue to do that and really get better at that because every day you learn something new and you learn how to do it a little bit better, ask a question a little bit better, make that other person feel comfortable a little bit more. Um, so I think just with time, a lot of that comes. So I just want to keep doing what I'm doing. And New York City, there's been so much news lately in New York. I know, right? <laughs> there's always news, but this year has been, oh my God. So I, I have one more question to ask you before we, we finish today's uh, episode. I mean, for me, it's all about storytelling. And when someone um, either pitch you a story or you need to st tell a story for news, how would you compose? Because I know that if we're going to tell a, a novel, you have to have a beginning, a middle, a conflict at the end. How does it change that storytelling in the news? So a good story always has a character, right? So there are ways to tell a story about the fire that just happened, the police shooting that just happened, whatever it may be, you can give the facts and the figures of any story, but having that character, that person who has been affected by it is the most powerful way to tell it. And I think for people who are pitching news reporters, something they need to keep in mind as well is what is this news reporter covering? I get a lot of pitches for things that have nothing to do with New York City, have nothing to do with what I cover. And I know that people just pitch, pitch it because they figure, why not let me give it a try? But if you read up on that reporter or anchor that you're pitching, you would know that they would never cover something that you're pitching. You know, So I think just understanding, if you do want to pitch a story, understanding what that reporter covers and why it's relevant to what they cover is super, super important. I think from a reporter point of view, what we look for is truly that human impact. Why should people care about it? Who is this affecting? Why should journalism play a part in this? What can we do? Do we need to hold the city accountable? Do we need to hold an agency accountable? There are so many different things that a news story can do to elevate. But in this process of the storytelling, what I found very, very fascinating is that in journalism, many times you, you don't get that climax or you don't have the development of the, the end of the story. You don't have the conclusion. You have the dot, dot, dot. It's, it's coming next. So how do you live it there? I think sometimes we don't. Sometimes we will revisit if we do have a conclusion to a story and we got involved in the beginning. I think sometimes we will go back and revisit that person. Um, it just depends on the story. You know, if there is, I, I keep going back to a fire, but it's the thing that comes into my head, comes into my head first. If that family was displaced from their home and then we find out this amazing organization is donating 
a house for this family, we will go back and revisit it. And that will kind of bring the story to a close. But oftentimes, you know, it depends. Do people want to be on TV? Do they want their story to be continued? Sometimes all that person wants is the issue to be presented. Or sometimes that issue doesn't get solved. You know, we could go help someone with something, present an issue, call the city about it, ask elected officials, what are you doing to help? And sometimes it takes years before there can be an actual conclusion to the story, or sometimes it doesn't. I think every situation is so unique and so different. It's a difficult question to answer. There's no, um, you know, definitive answer, I guess I shall say. I promise. Last question. So one more thing. Like, I mean, you are so clear for you. It's so easy to speak in front of the camera. I use your mannerisms. It's so, you're you are so well prepared for it. So if someone, because now with these days that everyone gets in front of the camera in YouTube, in uh, TikTok, what are your recommendations to talk in front of a camera? It sounds a little cliche, but I think if you are, if you're not talking to someone, pretend like you were talking to that person who you love or who you feel you're most comfortable with. For me, that's my mom. I feel the most comfortable with my mom. Um, so if I'm ever feeling guarded on the air, I kind of think of her because she's the one who let, makes me let my guard down, makes me feel like it's okay to just be who I am. And I think people often want to present themselves a certain way on social media. And to be honest, I don't know about you, but that's something I can relate to. I mean, we're all struggling to find a balance, I think, between being this persona that we want to be seen as on social media and our real selves. But I think thinking of the people that make you the most comfortable, imagining that you're talking directly to them will help anybody who's trying to make a name for themselves in any industry or just stand out on social media, stand out a little bit more because I think what people can relate to is someone who is relatable and someone who is a little bit vulnerable and has their guard down a little bit. So I'm not saying I'm the expert on it because I'm certainly still trying to figure it out and trying to grow as well. But that's the that's what I tell myself when I find myself maybe a little bit standoffish or not fully being who I am. That's great. And I love how humble you are and that you are willing to share all this tip with us. So thank you so much, Shannon, for being today with us here on Coffee Number 5. It was such a pleasure to have the time to talk to you. And again, people in the chapter notes, we're going to have all Shannon's information so you know where to find it. Find her, follow her. I was fine, follow her. I was putting everything together. We should create a new world for that. And thank you again for being here, having some coffee. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm so appreciative and I actually do have coffee. So Thank you for joining us. If you like the show, remember to leave a review. I will really appreciate it. If you want to know more about marketing and myself, follow me on Instagram. My handle is Lara Schmoisman. It was so good to have you here today. See you next time. Catch you on the flip side. Ciao, ciao.